Good afternoon. Welcome back to our podcast, Harmonious Marriage. We are back after a break for the summer holidays, bigger and better than ever. And Bezos Hashem will keep bringing you tips and strategies to make our Jewish marriages better, stronger, and holier. Today's episode is sponsored by Natalie, who is very, very, very special friend of mine and is dedicating this episode in honor of her dear father, Jacob Ben-Nissim, who passed away recently. May his neshama have an aliyah and may the family only know smachot from here and on. Thank you, Natalie. We are also dedicating this episode in honor of the Shlucha Henya Rivka Basbracha Devaralea, who passed away today at age 40, and in her schus of bringing women to the mikvah, and in the schus of teaching mikvah and shalom bayit, uh, we hope that her neshama has an aliyah and her family knows only simchas, and may the neshama of Jacob ben Nisim and Henya Rivka Basbracha Devaralea have an aliyah, and may we see Mashiach immediately. I'd like to start with a bit of hope, faith, and trust from the book In Good Hands, Trusting in God. It's a book about a hundred letters and talks of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem N. Schneerson, talking about giving people hope and connecting them with their source. In one of the letters, in the introduction of the translator, we read about the previous Rebbe, who cited a tradition that he heard from his father, the Rebbe Rashab, who said that the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, implanted faith in trust. The Rebbe Rayatz continued, this means that one is certain that what one believes will actually materialize down here. In other words, your belief elicits the blessings to come down. One of his listeners asked, does this then resemble hope? The previous Rebbe replied, trust bitachon is more than hope. A person who has trust believes that what he hoped for will certainly eventuate. In fact, it is already present. The obstacle exists only in the person himself. So my sincere hope that all of us who are here learning about marriage tips, learning about bringing peace into our homes and instilling hope back into our marriages should see with true trust and belief with our own eyes, the blessings will certainly eventuate. And the Rebbe Maharash spelled this out in practical terms. People are not lacking a livelihood. They are lacking trust. Every individual is indeed provided with a livelihood. It's only that by lacking trust, a person sometimes turns off the tap. And if I may add that we all want to have good marriages and we all can have good marriages, we need to have trust that we can build a beautiful edifice together with our husbands, the two souls coming together, forming one complete unit. And just like a triangle is the strongest structure so too, when we include Hashem in our marriage, and there's a husband, a wife, and Hashem, God, in our marriage, it is the strongest structure that cannot be broken. Furthermore, Hashem's Shrina, his glory, dwells in a home where there is peace. 
Peace is the vessel for all blessings. So I'd like to take us to uh, a very special uh, marriage idea and strategy that I'm borrowing from John and Julie Gottman, uh, talking about the four horsemen and developing them even further. John had a love lab where he was able to watch over 3,000 couples and do research about whether or not this marriage would last in the long run. The fact is that there were four things that affected marriages, whether they were able to last long and survive or whether they were challenged. And just like we learned about Tu Bishvat, which was this week, a beautiful, beautiful Jewish festival where we learn about the man is compared to a tree and each human being, just like we have strong roots and the foundation is strong, so our tree will be strong. And no matter what winds are blowing, they cannot make us fall down. As we learn from a tree, so too, if our marriage is strong and we put effort into the roots of our marriage and we water and nurture our tree, our marriage, it will never fall down. Please God with all the blessings that come with peace. So we're going to learn about uh, four horsemen that he talks about the four things that could challenge a marriage and how can we bring the antidote? So first of all, a person needs to know when they wanna speak about changing something or bringing something to the attention of their spouse, it's always important to use feelings. Nobody can knock your feelings. Your feelings are real to you and nobody can say that they don't exist or don't have basis. So if you say, I feel, about what happened, then the spouse can hear with compassion your feeling, you're not attacking them, and they can actually make a change to either the behavior or the action that occurred. Um, being defensive, when someone is defensive and not taking responsibility, it means you're saying, I'm innocent, you're guilty. Instead, it's so important to take responsibility for your role for your role in making this issue either become worse or exasperated or perhaps toning up an issue which we could have easily toned down, we each need to take responsibility for our role. And from the four horsemen, being defensive is so common. People often have a difficult time taking responsibility. For example, being more responsible. I could smile more. I could be more attentive. I could put my phone down when I'm talking to you, right? Instead of saying, I have a reason for doing the wrong thing. I have a reason for looking at my phone. I have a reason why I am not smiling around you. I have a reason taking responsibility and saying, you know what? You're right. I should be smiling more. I should be more positive. I should be more attentive. Uh, and instead of a counterattack, that you're the innocent victim, you're picking on me. The antidote to defensiveness is taking responsibility. We take in the information that our spouse is sharing rather than blocking. We could say something like, can we stop here for a moment? I just wanna point out that I'm feeling a little bit hurt when you play Candy Crush when I'm trying to get your attention. And the spouse would be so much more attentive because we're not attacking them. It's a hurt that you feel. So the spouse would be like, yes, you're right. I should be more attentive. 
And that taking responsibility rather than shifting the blame will stop an argument in its tracks. Another one of the four horsemen is criticism. Criticism is making marriages very unhappy. Men were asked, I think uh, 3,000 men were asked, what would they rather have? A criticism-free day or a good night activity? And what do you think most men picked? A criticism-free day. Criticism is making marriages unhappy. The antidote is, I feel or I need. Criticism is putting a negative character trait on your partner. Say what you do need, not what you don't need. Okay, so criticism would be hurting your partner rather than saying what you do need with a gentle way. I feel lonely when you come late from work. I feel challenged when you talk to me in front of the children that way. I need some time with you alone. Okay, say what you do need, not what you don't need right? Uh, we could also disclose to our partner, I'm feeling defensive right now. I wish you can say that in a gentler way so I could receive it better. Okay. Instead of saying, I feel that you are ignoring me, you stop right away. That's not a feeling. When you say, I feel that you, that's an attack. I feel hurt. That's me putting it on myself. Among the four horsemen, which was Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Contempt is the single most destructive one. It's the best prediction of relationship breakdown and it's so unhealthy for you. Contempt means eye rolling, name calling, putting down our partner. The number of contempt expressions predict how many, God forbid, infectious illnesses the listener will have in a year because of the cortisol and adrenaline that is pushed up when someone is listening to an expression of contempt. And it's so important that we realize this because in so many couples, the contempt is what's bringing them down. And God forbid that could predict a divorce over 10 years. And even further, Robert Weiss says, God forbid formation of things that I don't even wanna speak about in our bodies that are so unhealthy. Contempt is absolutely the worst. These are the four horsemen in a stampede. And contempt is when we make our partner feel badly about themselves. It's like a character assassination. Rather, let's go with a gentle startup, not critical of what has gone wrong in the past. Rather, a gentle startup. Hey, can we sit down tonight and have a chat about something that's on my mind? And then you book it a time. And at the startup meeting, you bring it up in a gentle way, not critical, not hurtful, not antagonistic. Because remember that behind any negative emotion that you carry, whether it's anger, sadness, or fear, there is a longing, a desire. And the listener has to do a special kind of listening to understand and identify their partner's pain with compassion, with love, with empathy. And that's why active listening is so important. It's a special type of listening. It understands the person's needs before we go into advice mode or you know solution mode, just understanding. Now, it's so important that when 
we are being spoken to by our partner or we're speaking with them, we need to be calm, not flooded. The speaker needs a gentle startup because the minute people get into defend mode, the listener can't be in open mode. They cannot receive it. So defend mode is going to stop or shut down the receiving of what you're saying. The responsibility is on the speaker, not attacking, not blaming, saying what you feel and what you need, not what you don't need. And make it a positive need, a wish, a longing. Here's what I need. I wish I can see your smile right now. I wish we could have our early morning coffee break. I wish we can go on our walks at the beach. Now, there's something very interesting. What is the goal of conflict? There is some Gottman Rappaport approach that we could use. Anatole Rappaport worked with world conflict and he brought it into the marriage, the marriage ideal. Number one, mutual understanding. Number two, validating the person, making them feel heard and understood and that it makes sense why they may feel that way from their perspective. Number three, you missed some parts. Let me explain. In case when the person is repeating it, they're not ex exactly getting the point, you can explain it again. Then you switch roles and you hear what your spouse has to say. And then you come to a compromise. Both points from both of you have validity. There is validity to both points. Both of you see things in a different way. Both of you come from different families, from even if the same religion, but different cultural backgrounds, different countries, different family setup different parts of the family, whether you're oldest or youngest, they're both valid points, but we need to listen to each other. And that's the antidote to criticism and blame. And it's a way to not move into defensiveness. And this will eliminate three fourths of relationship apocalypse. It prevents flooding, which we said, when you attack your partner, it's not just right now, all the times they've been attacked in the past comes back to them and floods them. And now they can't hear you. And they get so exasperated and the upper brain and the lower brain are not talking to each other. And the amygdala is firing. And when a person's flooding, all the emotion and rage and feelings of helplessness is coming to the fore. So it's important if you're feeling flooded to say, look, can we take a break right now? I'm not feeling right. I will come back soon to discuss this with you when I'm feeling better. And then either go for a walk, listen to some music, wash your face, have a piece of chocolate, listen to music, Take down the flooding, which will take about 30 minutes. And then the flooding will go down. You'll be more receptive to hear what your partner has to say. Also make sure that you are both well-fed and well-rested before a discussion. And this alters and replaces blame and defensiveness and brings in a desire and a want to understand each other. So I just wanted to make sure we understand what the four horsemen were. We said criticism, contempt. We said uh, defensiveness, and we spoke about stonewalling where a partner shuts down. So the antidote to stonewalling is to actually do self-care, to bring yourself into a better state so that you can actually hear what your partner has to say. The antidote to criticism is a gentle startup. The antidote to defensiveness is taking responsibility. And criticism is a killer. It's okay to bring up a complaint, but not a criticism and not to bring up everything that happened in the tw past 20 years, including the kitchen sink. We stay in the present. We stay with one or two issues at a time and we work with that. Taking responsibility is so important. One of the ways you can take responsibility if you don't have the right words is 
I can see that I've missed the point. Please give me another chance. And then you explain to the partner what you think they're explaining to you. Or I realize I'm overreacting. Can you give me a minute to get sane again? Or I know I haven't made it safe for you. Please don't give up on me. Uh, or you're not being crazy. I can see why you'd be upset with me. Or I'm probably sounding like a parent right now. And I can appreciate that that's a turnoff. I think men would love to hear that. Instead of sounding like their mother, we need to sound like their lover and respect them, respect their opinions, hear them, show them that their opinions count. And then also share our opinions. We have a voice. We don't have to push it down, but it has to be done in a gentle way. Um, and so I love these quotes um, that, you know, there's about 180 type of quotes that you can say to take responsibility for how things were said or not said. And um, one of them being, when you treat me this way, it feels like you don't respect me. Is that true? So you're checking in with your partner and obviously they'll realize that, no, that's not true. It's not that they don't respect you. It's that they can't express to you properly what's on their mind and they'll re-say it again. This comes from the book, Say It Like You Love Me. Um, and another point we could say when we're giving information to our spouse, when you are so intense, it's hard to take in what might be valid about what you're saying. Or your behavior was threatening to me. I'm trying to tell you about it, not to make you feel bad, but so I can feel safe with you again. All right. Um, or I don't feel hurt. Or I know I'm pretty shut down right now, but I promise I'll be back and tell them when you'll be back. Okay. Another one to say in giving information is I beg you to hear this as me truly wanting you to register my feelings, not as an attack on you. And one more, you don't have to agree with me, but it hurts when you don't take me seriously. And these are ways of giving information to our spouse that's not attacking, that's very coming from a place of love and compassion from where we want to move forward. And 86% of turning towards bids of your partner is a very, very, very healthy place to be. People who have issues in their marriage usually only turn to each other 33% of the time. So if 86% of the time you're turning to your, your partner's bids for connection, you're doing very, very well. Okay. Um, one last thing we could say from that book that I brought up, it's frightening to me that we see things so differently and then go on and explain why it's frightening. I think I'm supposed to know how to do this, but honestly, I have no idea. And of course, uh, you are so upset. I probably don't fully understand my impact on you. Please tell me I want to understand. So these are a couple of ideas to use in your marriage to increase the peace, to lower down the ante, to decrease the conflict and to increase the connection. And don't forget to be best friends Date night is not negotiable. It's actually not a luxury. It's a necessity. Every time you play a game together, every time you have an iced coffee together, you're bringing God's glory into your marriage. That is what Hashem wants, that a husband and wife should be connected together. Date night is so important. And it reconnects us during the week when we have so much going on. What are we doing all this for? 
to bring financial support to our family, but also to be able to bring connection and love. And that's what a Jewish marriage is all about. Connection, love, and respect. And through that, we bring the Shekhinah. Through this connection, we bring the Shekhinah. It is so important to recognize that when we're in a good place with our spouse, everything goes better that day. Our endorphins are raised, our serotonin levels raised. We're in a better mood. We can be a better mother, a better father, a better sibling, and our children are happier. Let's invest in our marriage. Let's invest and bring peace one bedroom at a time and make that bedroom a special place of beautiful memories. Make it a place of connection, of love. Reconnect if you haven't been connecting lately. Send your husband a text. How are you? How's your day? Thinking of you. I love you. I miss our connection. And most of all, make sure that your meetings when he comes back from work or when you come back from work are times of rituals of connection. When he leaves in the morning or when you walk out in the morning, make sure to have that ritual of connection, whatever that is for you, a hug, a kiss, a warm word, a nice cup of coffee. And so that each of us know that the priority is not that we're running out to work. Our priority is each other. Everything else is ancillary. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Looking forward to next week. And may we bring shalom, peace to the world with the ultimate shalom of Mashiach now.